Welcome to the Refuge Project, man. Just seemed like we were just in here the other day, man. We're getting we're getting really good at these things. You're knocking them out real quick. We're, we're knocking them out one after another. Well, whenever we're getting a thousand downloads every month, I mean, come on. Yeah. Spe- speaking of that, shout out to Albania. Albania. Albania is dropping in. Like, who? Where is Albania, anyways? Does anybody know where Albania is? I don't want to say anything for the sake of you know Sounding my own really integrity. Dumb. Okay. Because I just don't know. Speaking of not knowing, okay? <laughs> Anyways, I'm this very- is the Refuge Project, and we are your hosts. Yeah. We're the same guys that show up in your feed every single week. <laughs> um, Next to all the bird videos. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> no respect, you guys. A couple of weeks ago, we had. Uh, it's in Europe. Brother Jack Moore. Uh, By Greece. He is a, uh, a Native American, and he does a lot of ministry on reservations. I'm sure you really enjoyed that episode. Uh, but he had a guy that was in there, and he was, he was on the podcast. And he looked up at my map. I have this big, beautiful map in my office oh, yeah. there at church. Um, and he told me that my on top of everything else in this world, mm-hmm. <laughs> that my map was racist. Yeah. Did you have you ever heard this story? Was he yeah. a flat earther? No, no. brother. He said <laughs> he said that because. Um, he said all your proportions are wrong. My proportions that. are wrong, and the white countries mm. were made bigger than the other countries. Yeah, he said the scale of the map is. You was there. I was there. That's right. He was there. I was wow. standing behind him. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So even my maps yeah. have white privilege. That's right, man. There's so many jokes that can be made, but they will not be made. <laughs> they will not be made. Well. <laughs> Well, well then, well, well. well then, I guess we're moving on. So, and we'll get this. We'll get to this in just a little bit. But um, I didn't want to say anything until we got here and we got the door shut and the three of us got together. But Pastor Caesar and I was talking about an intervention that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, James has this issue with uh, certain things that he's looking on the internet, and uh, so as his friends. Mm. We wanted to come together at an intervention. Yeah. Uh, there's an issue. There's an issue. And what are you guys talking about? Well, you know. Look, I appreciate uh, our friendship. So, you know, if you got something to say, well, you know, I'd like to hear it. On, on the behalf of your wife uh-huh. and everybody else that loves you, mm-hmm. I mean, some of the things that you've been looking at that have quite large butt toxins. Oh. Oh, you don't mean some, you know, large breasts. <laughs> and it's really it's really become concerning the way you're moving, you know, and still working in I just can't look away. Look, there's it's ministry, so interesting ministry, and intriguing to me. Ministry and things. Yeah. So we come here to help. Uh-huh. Because we think that the animal Stories are getting a little out of hand. <laughs> you guys missed before we started this podcast. They were roasting me pretty hard about these animal stories. They give me a hard time. So we go. Does anybody have anything for culture quality today? And he, we were just like animal stories. He goes, "Yep, but it's not a bird." <laughs> so here we go. Let's uh, <laughs> let's jump into it. corner. 
James, what do you have for us today? I just gotta feed my addiction. I just gotta feed my addiction. Look, I'll say this, man. I one of the ones I read the headline for that I passed on was about this. Uh, I think she was in her eighties. It was an old lady who just got uh, caught again for she's been to jail for like for almost fifty years for different murders, and she just wow. got convicted again for another murder because they uh, she and she cut up this body that she murdered and fed it, was, it to her cats and she left a like a trail of the body parts leading back to her apartment really? where the torso was in a bag and the reason they found it was because some dude just saw this bag on the side of the road and was like what's in here and it was so that was the story i passed on <laughs> all right and uh even though i just told you the whole you story you need to stick to animals <laughs> that's what i'm saying so when i saw these other so you know how like in your social media whatever you look at <laughs> It just comes in your feet, you know, more of the same. So, I'm just oh, trying to give you guys the good stories. That was so he what gets murders and birds and birds. <laughs> I mean, very soon it's going to be old, a, old, a, a bird that murdered somebody. <laughs> hey, another one I passed on was these birds that all fell out of the sky. And uh, a didn't bunch of them about, died. Didn't we talk about that? They just uh, fell out of the sky like their wings quit working. They um. So you ever seen those big groups of like thousands of birds that mm-hmm. all like fly together and they'll like move together? What's, the, what's real up quick. with that? They're like confused. There's different birds that do that. Pronouns. I don't remember which ones. No, I don't remember which ones these were. But this but was you, somewhere in Mexico. For some reason, they all like nosedived. So the quick. the bird in the front, in the front, he like got shot yeah. by a BB. So everybody else followed him. No, but yeah. it wasn't like they just stopped flying and fell. They like swiftly turned down but they were like too low and they slammed the ground mm. and then a lot of them got up again and flew away but like dozens of them were just dead it's probably because 5g it probably was it probably honestly. was so that's another one i passed on and yeah. the one that one that i decided to present to you today yeah here's the uh, headline the wyoming large-breasted peacock oh no, no no it's not birds man. it's the uh, Australian scientists hope to resurrect the extinct Tasmanian de- tiger within 10 years using DNA sequencing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say that again. See, that's right. This is the best one, and it is an animal <laughs> one, but it's a good one. I got to get my mind wrapped around what you just let's said. Let's hear it again, yeah, let's shall hear, we? Let's hear this good. Australian scientists hope to resurrect the extinct Tasmanian tiger within 10 years using DNA sequencing. I didn't wow. even know there was a tiger in Tasmania. So you guys listening can't hear it. I thought they were all devils. I, you guys, I got excited because well, I thought that's of the a, devil. That's a different animal. Um, yeah, you guys can't see this picture, but I'll show you guys. Just Google Tasmanian oh, tiger. Wow. They kind of look like hyena-looking zebra. It's like things. a wild dog on the front half, like maybe like a German shepherd no, esque or something. My description and your description did not line up at all. No. <laughs> the front half, well, I don't know if I'd say German shepherd, but it's like a tuft wild dog on yeah. the front half and the back half they've got stripes on their on their lower back and run, it looks like a tiger on it the It looks back like it half. came out of a lab. It, it's crazy. From China. Wuhan. So anyway, but this thing's extinct. They went extinct in like the 30s. Yeah, wow. let's see. Uh, 1936, a Tasmanian tiger named Benjamin died in an Australian zoo, likely the last of his kind. Uh, Why'd they let that happen? Da, da. I don't know, man. Uh, anyway, they died. But so now they're going all Jurassic Park and they're trying to bring them back. And uh, it even says that later in the article. It says it's very Jurassic Park-esque. Wow. But um, so they're trying to – so first, so they're getting all this new funding, um, whatever this group of people is in uh, Australia – and um, 
the uh, Genomic Restoration Research Lab. Yeah, there we go. Um, anyway, so they're supposed they're trying to figure out the the genome sequence for that species first off. So that's the first thing they got to do, and then they got to figure out how to make um, different mars. They're using stem cells from different marsupials to grow the uh, the cells, and then they got to get that embryo. Oh no no I'm sorry I said it wrong. At some point they're cloning something mm-hmm. and then they're putting they're using marsupial stem cells and like putting it in a different it's crazy. I, but they're trying I, to bring it back. I just have reason. one question. What's the homeless population in Australia? Homeless? Uh I could probably look it up for you. I mean, wouldn't you like try to fix that before you bring this thing back? No, dude. They want the te- that, that the will Tasmanian that will tiger. fix the homeless problem. Remember <laughs> <laughs> they, they just let them these out? Out. Yeah, run them out in the streets. They'll take care of them. That are the wild kangaroos. Yes, dude. That they're generally oh, pretty. Did you gentle, miss the kangaroo but, uh, one? I did miss the kangaroo oh, one. Oh man, that yeah. was great. Kangaroos are crazy, dude. Yeah, man. Well, they're not. They're really nice, but <laughs> if you for some reason decide to tussle with one, you don't stand a tussle, chance, man. Tussle. Yeah, I'm yeah, because they're kind of classy. I'm with you on this. Like, we're—I know this is Australia, but you know we got supply chain problems all over the world. Dude, they're bringing it back, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, com- you're not going to stop this. It's science. coming back. <laughs> okay, and so they—the article goes on talking about how like it's going to be good for the environment because right now they don't have like all, any other marsupial apex predators. Right now they've got the dingo. And it lists one other. This one. is going to go bad. This yeah, is going to go the whole but, so Resident they, Evil. They're saying since they don't have this predator, um, it messes with like there was some disease that spread through some other um, right, right, right. animal group that probably wouldn't have happened if they had more predators. And like we all seen the new Jurassic Park. Whenever they say you don't mess with, you know, they're going to genetically modify the T Rex for the. Yeah. To make the Indominus or whatever we all Rex. shouldn't have seen the new Jurassic Park because well, it's not good. But we did. Um, we've <laughs> all seen the old jokes one. on y'all. <laughs> Didn't see it. <laughs> You're the lucky one. It's, I stayed by seven dollars and fifty cents. Is a disappointment. You seen the old one? At, yeah, at the pic, at the picture show when it was in black and white. Black and white. <laughs> 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 when it, would, it didn't even have words. Got a full tank of gas. Of so that is that is true because over in Hawaii, on one of the islands in Hawaii, they brought over some like uh, like some deer or something that wasn't mm-hmm. uh, you know what do they call it to the area indigenous indigenous to the area That's the word and it's taken over. Yeah, it's absolutely taken over. Same thing in uh, in uh, Florida. Yep. The uh, snake population over there is taking over because people get these snakes. Oh, yeah, then, man. You can go get the, is it the pythons. Yeah, the pythons. And they're like paying for pythons right yeah. now. As many as you can get. You've seen swamp people? <laughs> they have that, but for pythons. Yeah. And so uh, well, they're taking over. They're eating the alligators in, in, in Florida. They're yeah. getting so big, they're eating the alligators. See, what you got to do is take Samuel L. Jackson over there and he'll take care of it. What will he do? What it's a snakes on a plane reference. Ah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, snakes on a plane. Yeah, where every other word was a cuss word. Yeah, yeah. I don't listen to that secular stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's a, David's pretty just, holy. I just listen to Christian <laughs> rap battles. Rap battles. Rap battles. Yeah. Anyway, that's my culture corner, and I thought it was an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, you guys are, look. I, I gave. I basically gave y'all three, so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> take, 
Take yeah. that, people. Well, you, what I you need to even, take is you need to take this help that's leaving right now in 15 minutes to California. <laughs> I didn't even nature mention center, nature center where they come and they put people around you that will help you through this mess. I didn't even mention to y'all that that lady that was murdering people and cutting them up. She's a transgender woman that was doing this to her girlfriends. And yeah, let that, that, just, that one sink that, in. That broke my head. Let that one sink in. Yeah. Well. Anyway, yeah. um, I think, uh, did you have... Yeah, I got a song for you today. Okay, let's hear it. You know, it's uh, by Katie Nicole. Killed her girlfriend. In Jesus' name. Really? I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrow, I will ask my God to move. I speak the name, because it's all that I can do. In desperation, I'll seek heaven and pray this for you. I pray for your healing, the circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over. Jesus' name by Katie Nicole. We encourage you to go and look at the YouTube video and uh, tell us what you think. Leave she's a, a comment beautiful for girl. Her. Yeah, she's pretty. She got uh, 1.2 million views right now. And once our listeners hop on, it'll probably be 1.3 million or something like that because <laughs> y'all are amazing out there. But hey, uh, this week we got a chance to catch up with uh, the real for King and Country. No, 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 not the artists that uh, just recently performed that Houston Livestock show in rodeo a couple weeks back. But right. yeah, they did. They did. But we uh, we caught up with Kingsley Armstrong and Pastor Jason King uh, from two different parts of the world. But they we get into a little bit of everything. Now, I wasn't there, but uh, Pastor David was there. 
James was there. That's right. They had a great time. So uh, I, I encourage you. They're going to drop some knowledge bombs on you. So just listen with uh, all three ears. And, uh, yeah, leave a comment. All right, guys. Thanks for stopping by. We got, we got Pastor Jason King from Colorado Faith Church. Faith Bible Chapel. Faith Which, Bible Chapel. Uh, we, we'll be changing the Faith, faith Church. So okay. Yeah. I see this is faith.church. So it's faith.church. That's right. Yeah, yeah so, that's our website. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go check out what they got going in Colorado. And then we got Kingsley Armstrong all the way from Ireland. Yep. Are you a, a Conor McGregor fan? No. Okay, do you know who Conor McGregor is? Yes, I do. Okay. But I don't like him. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's a, a piece, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and well, thanks for stopping by. How, how, how's your trip been so far? Fantastic. Yeah. It's been great. It's been a bit wet. Yeah. I'm cold when I arrived yeah. here last week. We get the bad weather. Yeah, just, I get the, this, this Texas thing where, why can't you make your minds, minds up if it's either going to be wet one day or, and, then, and then warm the next? In the UK, we're much more consistent. It's yeah. either yeah, it's cold good. and wet. It's, it's always cold and wet. Yeah. Cold <laughs> and wet. Yeah. 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 It's, it's been a good trip. Um, we, yeah, I wasn't expecting the, the weather. I thought it was supposed to be warmer. So we left Denver um, the other night and it was snowing. So we were delayed. We had to be de iced and we landed. It was warm and then. I woke up. It was cold. Yeah, it's really but it's that's, great though. We, that's used to I love Texas. It's bad if you're like me and you get allergies. It takes you a couple days to get used when there's a big weather switch. Because yeah. then you're just constantly because it gets cold and you're a little sniffly and weird for a couple days, and then it gets hot again, and then yeah. you're weird again. Yeah, that's right. right. I, I just I always feel good in Texas. That's yeah. it's it's you know me and my friend Kingsley here. We're we're secretly. Texas. Texas. Hey, I've got, I bring my American GPS with me when I come over here. I've got my own. When I hit the home button, it takes me to East Texas. There you See, go. There you go. There you go. That's See, right. Yeah. That's okay. We belong here. Yeah, that's <laughs> our people. Great messages so far, guys. I mean, just it's it's funny how like every time we do one of these uh, convocations, we don't we don't like send notes out. This is what we want to hit on, and it's just so nice how God just orchestrates everything, and you guys are so aligned in everything that y'all y'all bring, and uh, it's just such a blessing to have guys that seek after God's heart before y'all come here and you can really definitely tell it, you know? So, yeah, I think it's probably a testament of what God's doing like globally. Um, you know, God really cares about the local church and, uh, he, uh, he has a purpose for her, but then for there's the whole, whole idea that what God's doing in one area, if people are listening, it's very similar. It's not exactly the same. It's very similar to what God's doing in another area. So it's, it is cool. The sense that God's doing and saying the same thing in the same vein and the same encouragement and challenge is uh, as he is in other places. So it's cool. It's really great, man. And I agree with that. I always agree with Jason. <laughs> He's a good man. <laughs> so, Jason, last time you was here, we was pretty much in the middle of the pandemic. You know, we was trying to come out of it, and then we came back, and we had these like these waves of waves of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How how do you guys rebound from that in your church, and how's all that going for you guys? Yeah, so we um, we just continue to do what God had called us to do through COVID. Um, in 2020, and, and this is just to the testament of God, we grew for, by 5%. Um, and then 2021, we grew by 15%. But it, it has nothing to do—we're we, doing what we've always done, right? But it was, it was I believe, the sense of people were looking for hope. They were looking for clarity. They were looking for um, for leadership to to not be um, rebellious or have a bad attitude, but just respond out of obedience to do what God's called us to do as a body. And so we've been doing that, and it's actually been really good. We've continued to um, 
to grow and continue to, to serve people. So, um, you know, we, we did get sued. So there was that aspect of it, but um, which uh, has just been dropped a couple of weeks ago. But other than that, I mean, we're good. I mean, it's God is faithful and we remain faithful for us. It was all, all about motive. Why we continue to meet, why we continue to do. Is it because we want to be defiant? Well, that's of the flesh. But if it's because we want to be obedient, then that's of the spirit. And so you have to discern deeply, why are you doing what you're doing? Because they can look exactly the same way. But one, the motive is obedience to the Father out of humility. The other is defiance. And by golly, I'm American. Don't tell me what to do. One is fleshly. One is of the Spirit. And so we chose the Spirit route. And God, God by His grace, um, we learned a lot and uh, continued to to advance. So it's it's been it's been great. Yeah, I think also there's there's another one on there, and I think uh, Mike Belay he was just hitting on it. I think a lot of times when you get in situations like COVID and people are not coming to the church, you make financial decisions, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like the worst thing you can actually do to with, within the church. Yeah. Well, I, I think it comes down to, again, I, I, I said this to our staff and, and our board. I said, I, I, will, I would rather us go down doing what's right and what we know to be true versus us stay afloat, compromising and and having to do everything to please everybody else. We just want to be obedient and lean in and just do it because God said do it. And so um, to us, that's that's been that's how God sustained us. So uh, if we make decisions out of fear, then then your fruit's going to be from the seed of fear that you planted. So. Right. One more follow-up question, and then I want to ask you some stuff about COVID and how it affected your travels. Um, did you see the need of the people in your church change, and, and did you have to shift gears to kind of meet that need, or was it, or is it kind of the same but just kind of moving a little bit faster? No, I mean, there, well, <clears throat> when COVID hit, there's you have needs as a community. So, you know, what, all, all churches, local churches, have to be aware of the needs of the community, that, what I believe anyway. So we made a shift to then serve the needs of our community. So we we uh, we partnered with farmers uh, to families. We gave away hundreds of thousands of pounds of, of food that, that we were able to get. So we served our community, but by doing that, we then engaged our people who were, some of them were entrenched in fear. Now they were have a, have a purpose. So it's just not about me. It's about serving other people, which breaks off the, the bondage of fear, a lot of people's lives by giving an opportunity to serve people. So we did that. So we did adjust to serving the immediate needs that was in front of us. Um, from a from a ministry standpoint, we took we realized there were a lot of our uh, elderly who were then they were they were shut in and they were concerned. And listen, we know COVID's real. I watched a mentor of mine suffocate to death, and um, so it's real. So a lot of these older folks they were in, inside. Well, then we assigned each. Uh, we printed off every uh, member that was over the age of I can't remember what it was like like sixty five or something. We then assigned them to a small group. And then that small group served them and checked on them and called them every day and brought them groceries. And so it really gave us an opportunity to mobilize everybody together. So we did adjust, but it was for the needs that were in front of us. Now, from a ministry standpoint, the needs of people were they needed hope. They needed there was all this stuff flying around online and fear and conspiracy and all this. It was it was an it was chaotic, man. So. For us as a ministry, we had to we had to cut through the noise and we had to keep the main thing the main thing. And so we just we preached 
the Word of God and hope and strength and living for God and making a difference with your life. Um, tried to keep people from self-preservation to actually kingdom impact moving forward. So God was gracious to us. But yeah, we adjusted to the need, but it was it was nothing outside of, of what normally would be within the church. So it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome because you guys are in a little bit more li- of a liberal area too. So yeah. I, I could imagine some of the the news and stuff was different than what we see, you know, in Texas and in yeah. the South because of, uh, you know, just, just the way we are. I was telling somebody the other day, um, and I, you might have even said it when you, uh, Kingsley, when you was preaching, uh, I seen uh, Ukraine, like they were giving like grandmas and kids and weapons and giving them like a 30 second, like, yeah. right, this is how you do it. And then I was just thinking, that's Texas, you know, <laughs> that, that that's Texas. Uh, uh, but it's, you know, it's just, it's crazy how the, the different areas and the different news, you know, I was listening to something uh, about Google, depending on what area you are, depending on what Google actually brings up. So if you're in the South, you're going to get a more conservative search. If you're in a more liberal area, you're going to get a more liberal uh, search. So it just kind of feeds in and these echo chambers begin to exist because of those things. So, mm-hmm, yeah, I can sure. imagine trying to pastor th- pass her through some of that um Kingsley tell us a little bit about like for us as as pastors of churches we were able to rebound and kind of shift and maybe uh do services outside and you know uh take some of the chairs out of this sanctuary so we can spread out a little bit but for someone like you that I mean your ministry is, you know, on the road and yeah. visiting churches. And when they begin to shut borders down and different things like that, how did that impact uh, the way you did ministry? Well, I think it impacted greatly. But I think if I'd known at the beginning it was going to last two years, it probably would have been more difficult for me from a personality point of view. We were told it was going to last three weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody expected it to finish sometime soon. So, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm not pastor. I was pastoring. I pastored several times, but I'm not anymore. So I suppose in the ministry that I work in, we, we, we work with different ministries around the world, many of whom became very isolated during this time. Because, for example, I've got friends who are, have a, a church in Lanzarote, you know, in, in the Canary Islands off the west of Africa. And that suddenly their, their, uh, their congregation would normally be tourists. Well, the tourists all stopped coming, the hotels closed. So they're on their own, totally on their own, isolated. So Kathy and I started to do, we started off, first of all, with a, we did a daily communion service, felt God guided us into that, and that grew. And so we did it every morning. We actually did, I think it was the last one was, I, I, I numbered them each day, it was 386 days, I think, in the end. And then we started doing it weekly. And now I do a verse each morning on Facebook. And the reason for that is because over with us, there's tremendous fear because people watch the news. So I don't care what news it is. Over here, I think the news is total nonsense. And I don't care whether it's CNN or Fox. Yeah, you're right about that. You know, and, and so what people are doing is they turn it on first thing in the morning. I, and Kathy and I used to go out walking. We walked a lot during COVID because you were allowed to go out as long as you kept the distance from people when at the most of the lockdown. And we bump into people, not literally, but you're talking to folk from church. And suddenly you, you sense as they're talking, they've been listening to the news this morning. Mm. 
And so what we've been trying to do is put the word of God in there and say, listen, don't listen to the news first. Turn that nonsense off. In fact, my wife, Kathy, she hasn't listened to the news probably for two years. She doesn't listen to news at all. She gets enough from me. Yeah. So I would be on maybe once a day, whatever, find out what's going on. So we've been trying to encourage people to stand in the word of God and seeing actually great results from that. A lot of people message we've got prayer requests from all over the world that were coming and so we'd be praying for children that are dying or praying for this need or someone's got an operation or someone who's had covid and he's gone into a coma or whatever so we saw a lot of of pastoral work done that way that the local church couldn't do because the local church wasn't there anymore because they're isolated so we actually it, we never intended this but it almost created this not quite global because it wasn't all over, but a, an international church that Kathy and I were sort of pastoring for a while unintentionally. And some of that has continued because some places still haven't got their tourists back and they're still isolated. So that's really what we've done for the last, a lot of stuff online as you've been doing here, of course. Right. As well. And then you said that you uh, you didn't have some of the technology that you had, you know, you didn't have before, like your website and different things like that. How's that, how's that impacted? Yeah, well, that's, that has impacted because obviously, I mean, you know, some, some ministries I suppose just stop we we're very, I'm a busy person that's just by nature I'm a busy person but you know you, you start to do things online and discover YouTube I love YouTube because you can learn everything and, and you can learn how to skin a crocodile on YouTube if you, you know, everything is there so so I've I've, I've uh, been on YouTube a lot discovered how to do video how to do my audio so I've got it set up I've got my lights now at home that I wouldn't have had before and so I suppose the quality is probably improving I use Canva a lot mm-hmm. I do my introductions and, and you know and the closes and that and so it's got a lot more professional than it was at the beginning so I suppose we've we've discovered some things it doesn't change the message but it has actually helped in in communicating so yes that's that's what we've been really pushing the last wheel of while and the website I've developed that as well of course yeah and I went to your website and did you build the website yourself yes you did you did a good job you have a lot of information on there like so if you wanted to go there and just spend some time you could go there and get a lot of different information so but I insisted that it was free that was the one thing that I emphasized because as I said I came over I mentioned it the other day it frustrates me something rotten over here because America is such a business minded place you know and uh, it's fantastic you can get anything here as long as you pay for it yeah and so the idea of I, I went on there's some ministries I follow and you put on and it'll tell you you know you've got seven reasons why it's the end of the world and I want to think or why Jesus is going to come back or why there's going to be a rapture you know and I, I click onto them that's great and I find I get number one I might get number two and then you've got to sign up for number three yeah and, 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 yeah, and then join put your credit card in that drives me me nuts what is it that that's just daft I Patreon's think. killing I, right God now. didn't call me to be a businessman <laughs> yeah I can't stand that and so I decided no it's all going to be free we'll put it on there and not only is it free it's downloadable so for some of the countries I go to don't have internet at good speed they go to internet cafe so I've done it in such a way that they can download it to a USB stick do it with their leaders do it personally and then they never have to go on the website again. So it does me out of business. So that's good. Right. That's good. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you see um, kind of the issues that we've had? How do you see taking those and kind of propelling you when things are open? I mean, here in the States, I think pretty much is kind of open, at least in Texas and uh, Florida and different places like that is we're we're wide open. But I mean, for the most part, but like even just leaving the parking lot yesterday, the Metro bus was here. Uh, and it was coming as I was pulling out, and it says a uh, mask required to ride. So there's still places. Yeah, but I think if you go in there, there nobody's wearing a mask. I mean, you know, who rides maybe, the maybe the maybe the the driver has to because it's yeah, we have it's policy. mostly employees and regular yeah. places. But, so, yeah. but how do you see some of these things that we've learned, like help you propel your ministry forward, uh, than that maybe that you wouldn't have before? 
I think for us. Um, so what over the last two and a half years did is it it, it kind of it exposed it didn't kind of it exposed the um, the deficiencies within people's faith, their deficiencies within their belief system, um, where their trust really lies and where their confidence really is. And what we discovered is um, we are living in a day and age in our church of Bible poverty, meaning it's not that we don't have Bibles. We are, though, impoverished with what is inside the Bible. So over the last two and a half years, we, we, I saw Christians take all of their cues for everything of what they're supposed to do um, in a pandemic, uh, with the uh, social injustice, with all the kind of stuff. Most believers took their cues from the world. What do I do? How do I respond? What do I say? Um, where do I go? What do I march in? What T-shirt do I wear? Um, should, should, I, should I go to church? Should I not go to church? And here's the crazy thing, that believers asked a secular culture who is a puppet of the devil what they should do with their lives, which their lives themselves have, have been redeemed and, and by the blood of Jesus and set apart. And yet they didn't, they didn't look at the Word of God. They didn't study God's Word. They didn't, God, how am I supposed to respond? How, what's my attitude? What's my spirit? And so um, from that, we, we've, we've taken the last two and a half years kind of, kind of as a case study on, uh, on, on the deficiencies of our leadership for us as a church, my leadership, um, leadership as a church as a whole. What, what, what are the gaps? And what we realize that the gaps are, most believers don't know what's in the Bible. They have one, or they or they read Scripture out of context. They don't understand the heart and spirit of it. So we made a decision, or I just sense God um, speak to me to do a year um, a year of the Bible. And so we're we identified fifty major events throughout all of Scripture which speak of the whole heart and message and um, purpose of God from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, I and I, w I was inspired. I, I had an opportunity to meet with uh, Lauren Cunningham, who's the founder of uh, Youth with a Mission. And so I, Cheryl and I went out and spent some time with him in Kona. We were sitting on his uh, back lanai because he's in Hawaii, so he calls it it's a lanai. But his as his last push for YWAM Youth of the Mission is to end Bible poverty. And so for them, it was about uh, the spoken word of God that's in the mother tongue. And I, I love the vision and, and we're going to partner with them on that. But for me as a pastor, it was we have Bible poverty in our churches with all of our people carrying a Bible. Why? Why is that? It's, it's actually really weird that people don't know what the scripture says about how do we respond to the things we have over the last two years. So we created a, a Bible app, or sorry, not a Bible app, a Bible program that has actually been published on version called Year of the Bible, and we partnered with the Bible Project. And so <clears throat> the Bible Project, they do these incredible videos that, that help break down the history, the historical context, the, uh, the Hebrew understanding of some of these words that are just beautiful. And so we partnered with them and collaborated and created a year Bible plan where you we where you read a couple scriptures a day, and they're all focused on the fifty major events. So it's not the whole of the Bible, but it's the fifty major events that tell the whole story of God in the Bible. So we've uh, we've done that. So that's been how we have 
come out of this, responded to this. It's, it's shown this deficiency. And we want to fill these areas and engage people's lives with the Word of God. Because, you know, they come to church, they're there for, you know, an hour and a half and experience God and hear the Word of God. They go home. But many of our fathers aren't, aren't raising their, their children. They're not sitting down with their family, say, hey, let's read the Word today. Let's grow today. Um, and so we want to create that opportunity for them. So think about this, a family that has not put the Word of God at the center of their home. So think about this just for a moment. Um, and they, so they start every day. So I, I told three to five times a week, sit down, take 15 minutes, read the devotion, watch the video, ask these questions, pray together. If our families did that, and all of us did that three to five times a week, Within six months, one, we've established the love of the Word of God. We've established the power of the Word of God. We've seen the fruit of the Word of God in their homes. We're talking about a year of absolute transformation for those who choose to engage with it. So um, that's what it's done for us. It's really helped us prepare us, reveal to us how we want to step into the future. And we started that at the beginning of March. So I took January, February, and we focused on the reliability of the Bible, the sufficiency of the Word of God, how to approach Scripture. And then we started in March now engaging with Scripture. And it's, it, you know, we're, um, this is our second week into it, really excited about it. People seem to be engaging. So at the reading plan throughout the week, every Sunday, I preach the major event within that week of their of their reading plan. So then that we're going to do that all year. And so we're going to begin in the garden and we're going to end in a year from now um, at around the throne room of God together. So that's that's how we've we've gone forward. If anyone wants to, you can subscribe to that reading plan as well. You version, you're the Bible. Our our faith logo is right there. You could just subscribe. So so they can <clears throat> they can follow along with you. Absolutely. Uh, watch you online and then uh-huh. follow the program yep. along with you all year long. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, well definitely I'll put some uh I'll put some notes so if you wanna kinda go check after the show or whatever, look, look down in the notes and I'll have some links and stuff down cool. there for you guys. Um do you have something? Um I was just gonna say I thought it was great that you said well first I think it's crazy that we have to like intentionally have a whole program about the Bible in the church because it just shows like how little Bible preaching is going on in general in the American church. Yeah, I would to agree be with like, that. hey, for real, we really have to know what the Bible says, yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's such a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then you saying like, you said something about like a lot of the uh, you don't have like people in the congregation. You don't have fathers leading mm-hmm. the kids mm-hmm. and something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And I just think it's so important for families when you're showing when you're trying to show your kids how to live for them to actually see you doing whatever it is you're telling them to do so if you're trying to tell them to you should read the bible more it's i think it's really important for them to see you read the bible <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, even though that's kind of like a quiet time you know you do it by yourself thing i think it's really important for them to see it like for example growing up i uh, i remember at some point when i was i don't remember how old i was but i was young six or seven or so i was young enough to still be sitting with my parents in Sunday night church, I wasn't off somewhere, and somehow tithing came up, and I can't remember exactly how the conversation went, but I had never seen my family put money into the uh, the offering thing when they would pass it around, mm-hmm. and at some point, I said something like, well, why should I put money in? Like, y'all never give your tithes, mm-hmm. as like a six-year-old or something yeah. like that, and I remember my dad getting all offended. He's like, I get my tithes every Sunday, and he got all mad. That's funny because I I watched your dad give you. I was on the other end because I was on Sunday morning while you was in children's church, and and as he was, you know, 
lead in worship, he would walk over there and put yeah, a Yeah, yeah. Well, so now getting older, when I was actually in regular yeah. services, because again, I was like six or something. Right. But the point is, he would give his tithes every like Sunday morning when I would be in kids' church. So in my mind, as a child, my family doesn't ever put money in the <laughs> offering. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I never saw it. Yeah. So the point is, I think it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. The, the, well, Deuteronomy six talks about how yeah. um, speaks about. Hey, listen. Uh, when you're for parents, hey, when you as you rise up, you teach your kids. As you go, if you walk down the road, teach your kids. If you sit down, you teach your kids. Like so, yeah. at, at every opportunity is a is a sorry at every thing in your life is an opportunity while your kids are with you to reveal to them or show them this is what it means. This is how, this is why we do this. And so if, if you tell your kids, hey, it's important you go to church and you don't go to church and they don't ever see you go to church, well, then it's not important, right? So yeah. importance comes by through behavior. If you say the word of God matters and you never, they don't ever see you read it, nor do you ever engage them in it, they're like, well, it doesn't it's not really important. So, but you know, in all of that, it's just, it's a, I'm just excited. Either we believe the word of God is, is sharper than two edged sword that it's God breathed. It's for reproof and, and correction and encouragement. If we actually believe that, then we will center our lives around it and it's going to be part of us. So for us, I I'm really believing at the end of this year, our church um, is going to be totally different than how it is now because yeah. we're going to be shaped by God's word and people's lives are going to be transformed and changed. So um, I'm excited, man. I'm super pumped about it, and the Bible Project has been tremendous in their uh, in this them partnering with us and collaborating with us. It's the first time they've ever done anything like this, so uh, it's it's cool. It's 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 really great. The, their work is excellent. That's cool. I'm gonna check it out because we're actually working on and me and uh, my best friend are actually working on um, approaching Bible study a little bit different because the people that we have around us they know the Bible. Um, but a lot of the stuff that they read, they can't connect, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to approach it, instead of starting in Scripture, it started as people groups, and then learn about the people groups, and then learn about the um, like where they're from and the history of that, and then get into the Scripture and then tie everything back mm-hmm. in together, because mm-hmm. they're familiar with the Scripture yeah, already, yeah. but they can't tie... Some some of the stuff that you yeah. was talking about yesterday, I think tying that stuff back in to understand the the full picture of yeah. what was yeah. going on. Well, listen, just real quick, if anybody wants, I'm happy to share um, the full year preaching plan with all of the devotions, with all of the the reading plans. Um, we, you know, it belongs to the Lord. So if anybody wants it, um, they can they can reach out. Um, to me, and I'll, I'll get it to them. And they honestly, you could take it, slap your own logo on it, and use it for your own church. I mean, it's whatever, whatever works. Okay, awesome. Um, tell me the heart of the Joshua Project. The heart of it is to release people to inherit their land. Joshua's job in Joshua one six was to go and, and lead the people into a land that was already promised for them. And then it, it took a little bit of an extra jump at the end of Joshua when because well, I, I was did I developed a course basically based on the first six chapters of Joshua. But then God spoke to me very clearly one day. I was pastoring as well as as trying to do this, and I was in my office in North Allerton where I live in the Baptist Church there, and uh, I was just killing myself traveling and then trying to work at home as well. And God spoke to me very clearly. It's verse 13 to 15 where the two and a half tribes said, go across this Jordan, help your brothers possess their land. When you've done that, go home. And that's what I took very seriously. And so we started to do that. I I started to move, travel overseas. 
And so my ministry really is to, my ministry will never be successful if other people's ministries aren't successful. So it's to try and release people. So that that works. A lot of it's done with conferences at the moment. I'll be in Ethiopia in a few weeks. I've got, it's about my 18th year there of 100 leaders I work with. And I'll be just giving them the word of God, bringing the word of God to them and then hopefully getting them the tools that they need. So some conferences I, I, I sponsor them, that'll cost about, it'll be about 4,000 something that will cost because these guys are very, are very poor. Many of them have lost everything in the last few weeks, by the mm-hmm. way. I bet none of, very few of your listeners will know that there was almost civil war in Ethiopia a few weeks ago. Tens of thousands have died, but it's just not on the news. Now, thank the Lord, uh, mm-hmm. one of the guys over there told me, don't listen to the BBC or don't listen to the news. So I don't even know if it's peaceful at the moment, but I'm going. And I'll share with these guys and just share the word of God. So the Joshua Project basically is to release people to inherit their land. Mm. That's good. Wow, that's good. Why do you think that uh, we don't hear about the, you know, civil war type stuff that's going on right there? Is it just Because, a, well, you mean in America or do you yeah, mean in, 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 a, in America? A America is politically point. possessed. Yeah. You know, that's and everything, everything is politicized. That's a great word. That's yeah. a great word. Everything is politicized. It doesn't matter what you do. You know, I, I would tend to, I suppose I would probably be on the religious right. So I would probably be more at home in Fox News than I would in CNN. But it just drives me nuts. Whether you like Joe Biden or not, I don't want to turn on another program that tells me how bad he is. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just the constant diatribe that is pushed at people in America. Mm-hmm. And so, so for example, down to the thing, I just talked to somebody this morning uh, who, who, this is just interesting, he, I told him I was from Ireland, so he wanted to know where that was. I said, it's near England. He said, you mean New England? No, I said, it's an island over in the, the British Isles. And so I spent a few minutes talking. Now, I would ne- you would never have that conversation with somebody in, in England. I'm not calling the Americans thick. That is not what I'm saying. Which means stupid. But there's a, in, yes, uh, but in, there's, there's, in, an, in there's a lack of awareness <laughs> that outside America there is a world. And so that's, that's a, an interesting thing. It's different over in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what Jason was talking about earlier on is, is very pertinent for here, you know, that we've got to be make sure we're fighting the right, <laughs> the right fight. So I, I, when I travel, for example, I traveled on, on to, I don't know where I was going, in, I think it was India on this particular trip, and I sat beside a lady. And this lady introduced herself as a lecturer from Chicago. I think it was Chicago. And she was very little short, tight hair. She told me she was a, a feminist, and she was a big Hillary Clinton fan. Now, probably that didn't take a lot of my boxes right there, you know. Uh, possibly not, and certainly here in Texas probably wouldn't have been the most popular sort of view to have. But I could have immediately just said to her, well, actually, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Trump, whatever it was, you know, or, or, or whatever I would have felt. And, you know, but, but I didn't. And we had the most amazing several hours sharing together. She had a story to tell. Mm-hmm. So I listened to her story. In the end, up we became best friends for those few hours. She took a book from me, promised that she'd read it, and we had a wonderful time together. But, but the prevailing spirit over in America is that she's put in a box before I will even talk to her. And I thought, what a shame. You know, she's someone who Jesus died for. Mm. And so that's one thing I'm trying to do, step back. Everybody has a story that's worth, worth listening to. And God puts me beside people. I'm a, I have two prayers when I fly. My first one's a selfish one. Lord, let there be nobody in the seat beside me because I want a bit of room. And my second prayer is, Lord, if you can't answer the first prayer, then make sure it's somebody that I need to talk to. So <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. That's the way I try. That's, right. that's yeah, good, man. We were just talking to Jack Moore yesterday about that same thing with, you know, the Indians on the reservation, the Native Americans. And and uh, that was the biggest thing is there's people just come in there and loving them instead of telling them everything right. that they're doing wrong. 
you right. know. And I, um, we have that so messed up in, in the church today. It's just like we just, we want to take a side, right? We're very tribal people, so we want to take a side and we want to hold a hard line. Uh, but then in the day, that's not reaching anybody. Yeah, well, well the question again is this. Um, at any polarizing um, uh, issue or anything that's controversial, what believers need to ask is which side or where is Jesus standing? Actually, not which side. Where is Jesus standing? And then go and stand with him. And be be okay with standing with Jesus. And here's the problem. We, we, we aren't okay just standing with Jesus. We're actually not. We, we, out of us, and even other Christians demand, but where do you stand? Or where do, if you say, say, I stand with Jesus, well, then, then you don't really care. You don't really understand what's going on. You don't really know what's happening behind the scenes, because if you did, then you'd be standing over here. Here's the question. Is standing with Jesus good enough? And the answer is yes. We would all say yes, but we don't act that way. We act like, no, now, of course, yeah, you're standing with Jesus, but really, who's, no, I'm, I'm on Jesus's, yeah, but really, but where is Jesus standing? Let's stand with him. So that, you know, that's the, again, the the question as, as Joshua came up to Jericho and the angel of the Lord is there. and Neither side. And, yeah, neither side. He says, hey, are you with them, Joshua? Are you with them or are you with us? Because if you're not with us, where he goes, um, I'm neither. But which side are you on? Uh-huh. And so that's the real question. Yeah. And we are looking for sides. Why? Because we're humans and we and we want to one, we want to cast a judgment, two, we want to feel secure that we're with the right group around us versus I'm with Jesus. Is that good enough? And I think that's that's uh there's a lot of truth in that. All right, so I wanna ask this question and you said controversial, so I'm just gonna bring it up right now. So we are in a different time, and y'all are already dealing with this in Colorado, but Texas is dealing with it right now where we're about to legalize marijuana full-blown here. And, um, you know, in church right now, it's the whole thing about alcohol. Is it okay? Is it not okay? You know, should you, should you, you know, don't be a drunk, drunk, whatever, all those things. Uh, but And we've always used marijuana as, hey, it's illegal, so you don't have to deal with it. Right. But what happens when it's legal and how do y'all deal with it in your church and different things like that? I I mean, we're just ignorant to it because we've never had to deal with anything, you know, outside of the. Yeah. Can I have a a drink, a a glass of wine with my steak or something? Well, I'll speak to it really quickly. Um, So you have you have recreational use of marijuana and then you have medical use. So we, I know families who their precious kids suffered horribly with epilepsy, seizures. And so some of the, um, uh, the ointments, I don't know the properties. Yeah, whatever. But that does still have some THC in them when measured appropriately, really give this child a quality life. To me, I see that as an answer to prayer. It's no different than, than taking a medicine that helps make your seizures go away. So you, so there are different, there are different pockets. You, you, you can't lump them all together. So you have the recreational use, which is this. I'm going to use it because it makes me high. Well, then it ch- alters my mind. Um, that's not that's that's not what Paul was talking about when he said be sober minded, right? You see, or um, or even when you look at some of the pastoral epistles that talk about um, don't be given to much wine. 
Why? Because it leads to drunkenness. Later we see it says, and, and from drunkenness leads to debauchery. And what debauchery means is the inability to say no to your flesh. So when you were intoxicated, so you can have a, a glass of wine, which for for Kingsley, I know he, he abstains. Um, but you can have a glass of wine without becoming intoxicated, right? You cannot have marijuana without being intoxicated. There is no... Like, so I, that's what it's meant to do. And for recreational, if you're doing for for what? For for what? To get into another mind, to make your, um, you, you, so you're, you become intoxicated mentally. That's not sober-minded. And so um, th- those are some of the things you have, you're going to have to navigate through with, within your church. If, it, are people going to medically, uh, are other believers going to medically, are you going to shame people for medically using it because the doctor said, actually, you should try this? Or I know a guy who has chronic back pain, um, the, the opioids, and he's been praying for God to use them, or, or sorry, to heal him. The opioids were destroying his liver. And so he moved to this under doctor's care. And I think for me as a pastor, is it under doctor's care? If the answer is yes, then I treat it just like all other medicines. That's my advice to them. So. Uh, if it's under, I wanted to get high, then you're in sin and you're wanting to feed your flesh. So yeah. that's that's the idea. I think that's what's so frustrating about it is it's like all or nothing. You can't you can't be like you know, have it under a doctor's use only. That we have to have it all or nothing, and it's just so frustrating when it, it like you said, it is there for some uh, medical use and it, it has some great things along with it, but. Along with that, you're introducing it to a bunch of you know young people that their minds are not even ready to receive reality, yeah. much less yeah. you know this other thing that they're, yeah. they're reaching for. Yeah. Well, I think we've seen the fallout of, of the opi- the opioid epidemic, right? Yeah. So at first it was like, hey, it's great, it's helpful, and then it was like, oh shoot, yeah, this has caused a lot of issues. It, it it'll be the same with with marijuana, no yeah. doubt. Because it's that like marijuana today is not even like it was back then. Now this this marijuana is being grown on these super labs, and it's like, it's like twenty times twenty times stronger than it was when you know in the sixties when when they were smoking it. So I mean, it's just like um, I, I and I agree, you know, perfectly aligned with what you say. But it's just, it's just tough for uh, young people to be introduced to this as a you know they can just as soon as you get off a plane in in Colorado, you, right across the street is. Marijuana stores, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like they mm-hmm. slap you in the face with it, and now people are just young yeah. people are eighteen years old are flying to these different you know states yeah. just to yeah. experience experience that. Yeah. So well, that's why you need to preach the word of God. That's yeah. why they need to be equipped with it so they can withstand the temptations and and understand what, clearly what Scripture says. And that's that's uh, that's what that's what believers should should be equipped with. How is go ahead? I, I was just going to say it doesn't really bother me that it's being legalized from. Um, like from a purely just what should the law be doing perspective, personally. Because, I mean, if you're going to have alcohol be legal, you're going to have cigarettes be legal and stuff, I don't see why you wouldn't have marijuana also be legal. That doesn't necessarily mean that I should start smoking marijuana because it's legal now. As a Christian, we still say that uh, getting drunk is not good. You shouldn't do that. But do I think it should be illegal? I don't know. We're in America. We're supposed to be able to be free to make our choices. So it doesn't really bother me that it's going to be legal. Um, but like you said, you should know the Word of God. You should know why are we not taking it, even though it's legal. Why do we not 
get drunk on Fridays, even though it's legal? Why don't I smoke cigarettes? You know. Yeah, and I, and I think from from my perspective is um, some things I've struggled with in the past. You know, addictions and different things like that. And then you see places like I think it's Montana or something. Maybe it's not. I don't want to put Montana on it, but they have they're opening up. Yeah, everything. You know, um, and then so for me, it's just like this is just one step to the next thing, you know, and, you know, until heroin's legal. Yeah, and that's the other thing. It's like, where do you draw the line? Yeah, that's crazy. Because we're just going to get more liberal. We're not we're not coming back. Mm-hmm. We're not pulling the line back to us. It's just going to keep yeah. getting further and further out. Well, again, if like heroin was legal tomorrow, I, I'm not going to start smoking heroin. You won't. I wouldn't tell any of the congregation to. And you know, you said something about like kids are going to different states to get it where it's legal, which is true. But like, uh, like my family loves going to Colorado, right? So we'll go from now. Colorado. We know. Yeah, and so, every, <laughs> so these days, yeah, every time you go, somebody, somebody, your friend will find out, oh, you're going to Colorado, say, oh, are you going, you're going to get a little high, huh, in Colorado? It's like, dude, if I wanted to do that, I could just go down the street. Like, it's not like you can't still right. do it anyway. Yeah. People have been, had access to all sorts of drugs. Like, yeah, but I think it's like when you visit those places, it's more about being part of the culture and different things yeah. like that, not just getting high. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think too, it's, uh, it's maybe even a, a clash of two different philosophies. You have, you have the, the, like, we, we don't want laws that are passed that are going to be damaging to people, right? So yeah. we know, we, listen, there are more accidents with alcohol, domestic violence, abuse. It's all fueled by alcohol. Most all of it's fueled by alcohol, right? So we don't, like, that's, yeah, that's bad on, on humanity. But there's the other reality of, of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer for our nation, so I, I can put moralistic laws all in place, but if the heart, hearts of people are transformed by Jesus, regardless of the laws, I mean, think of the New Testament church living in the, in the absolute age of self-pleasure in Rome and in Greece, all that kind of stuff. They thrived and were righteous and were holy, not because things weren't legal, but because their hearts are transformed by Jesus. So... A lot of a lot of Christians spend a lot of resources and money and time panicking over the laws to save uh, a, a grandchild instead of instead of how do we then preach the gospel and reach the lost children of our of our nation? That's what's going to make the difference. So, uh, but I, I'm interested to hear Kingsley because uh, his he he has an interesting view which I, I always like to learn from. Well, I, I think it's 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 uh, it is a question, but it's again it's it's back to this politically possessed states over here where the actual topic becomes uh, it's not really an issue we talk much about we, we we would say to young people working with young people you know just just be very careful uh, people who come with me on a trip i because i i'm not a pastor anymore but people are coming with me on a trip it's very clear that that none of that will be used if if they if they smoke i don't want them smoking on the trip if they drink then don't drink on the trip uh, while I'm because I'm the boss while they're on the trip and so that's that's the only rule that I make for them because of the impression it will it will give to people who are going to minister to but actually in 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 Britain I wouldn't know of some of the laws I'm, I'm aware of but we have we have one government in Britain so it's it's I find over here in America it becomes a topic of debate again it's a political thing because immediately you start the conversation you talk about what montana does or colorado does or what here in texas and so continually there is this 
um, if you like, a governing uh, underneath every conversation about any morals is that this state does it, but this state doesn't. It's whereas we are, we may be wrong, but we're unified wrong, if, if you know what I mean. It's just not, a, for me, it's a, for me in my personal life now, in my preaching, it's a cul-de-sac that I'm not going to go down because my opinion of it is going to make absolutely no difference to anybody apart from the people who come with me on a team. So it's not a, it's not a, I wouldn't want to see things legalized, don't get me wrong, not, not, not at all, but it's not a, a bone of contention in the same way as it is over here because I'm not going to look at Wales and say Wales is different and Scotland, oh, they're really beyond the pale, you know, because we tend to have a unified approach to these things. They're voted on in government, whereas over here, it's, it's, there's this internal fight all the time over different States, you know where I'm, where I'm coming from there. So I'm listening to the to, to the your your debate, thinking it's irrelevant yeah. to me because I have my own opinion on it. But nobody's interested in my opinion. But in the church, obviously, in the church, you have to have your standards in the church, and it's not really an issue in the same way for us as it is for you. Yeah. So let, let me ask you this, Kingsley: Do you see that? Because um, are, so, are you saying? I want to see if you're if you're saying something you didn't say. Versus you not right. saying. No, I'm just kidding. You, don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. That's my, I use, use that a lot. But are you saying that within the church in the U.S., there tends to be uh, a much deeper integration from politics as part of the discussion, as part of how is this politic going well, to affect the church? Well, yeah, if, if you can call it, I don't know if you can call it politics, but or, you would yeah, use the term liberal. Whatever, yeah. Certainly the different the different states, the way that you were saying that they fly, if somebody will fly to another state to, to yeah. whatever. And so there's a total awareness. It, it seems to be that, that for me, my experience coming into Texas, I love Texas, I mean, it's uh, as you know, but there does seem to be this awareness of when I watch the news, well, Florida, so I know DeSantis, he, he believes this, this one believes this. And there's this internal fight that governs absolutely every topic over here. So, for example, one of my friends put on Facebook recently about the Ukraine, you know, and please pray for the Ukraine uh, at, at, uh, because of what, what, what uh, Putin is doing, and, and please pray, you know. And then immediately somebody put a comment on, a lovely Christian lady put a comment on about, uh, well, we need to be watching the border down in Texas. So immediately her <laughs> filter, every filter, and I know, I agree, I think this crazy what's happening at your border. I actually agree with that. But, but, but there's, there's a possibility of a nuclear war happening over there. But immediately she is seeing everything through this American filter that makes politics the god over here. So everybody's put into a, a Democratic or, a, or, I hate that, a Democrat party or a Republican party. And, and so it, it's, it's driving everything, no matter what you talk about. And, so and this woman couldn't, I, I thought it was a diabolical thing she put on the Facebook post. I thought, are you, what are you sort of a numpty are you anyway? Do you really think that? And you realize that's something so important over there. No, no, it's more important what's happening. Look at all the terrorists that Biden's like. Well, maybe he is. I don't know. All I'm saying is that that filter is, is, seems to be that most Americans see everything through one filter or another. Mm. I, then you realize that that person that put that comment is probably not even a real person. It's probably some bot in Russia or wherever. Uh, what was that stat you were bringing? You brought it up a couple times. That, yeah, it was, uh, it was something like 98% of uh, Christian uh, social... Nine, 19 of the top 20. 19 of the top 20 Christian um, uh, social media pages were all bots from different countries. They weren't even real people. Wow. Uh, here in the United States. They're... And they're just using it to 
inform Christians the way they want us to think instead of what the Bible says. Yeah, and that's and then made, back to you because we don't know the right. word that we will take. We're going to social media to find out what Jesus says instead of our Bible. Yeah, and uh, then they make the atmosphere that you just described, and then everybody buys into it. Right. Yeah. So I and and I would and I, I hear what you're saying. I I would say Christians welcome the atmosphere. Yeah. That they're selling. Because we're not discerning enough to recognize this is not for us. So whether or not that's a bot or not, the reality is we are living in a day and an age that we we obsess over things that we don't have the whole story on. So So think about it. Why is there such an obsession over end time prophecy? Because everybody can have their own opinion on it. Why, why, why is it that people obsess over rapture, pre, most, post, you know, mid-trib, or the seven years of that Daniel's speaking of and all? Why? Because we can have our own opinion of them and no one can find a real answer. So when it comes to things that are rock solid, bedrock of our Christianity, the word of God, we don't even mention that which we can agree on. All we do is talk about that which we disagree on because we're broken humanity and we just need to, we need to lay that aside because we're again it's just the pl- a ploy of the enemy that's the spirit of the world the spirit of the world is to divide the spirit of the world is to be disunited the spirit of the world is to yeah you think this but i think this the spirit of the world is always to be aggressive the spirit of christ is the total opposite he who was equal with god you know came to serve and and to lay down his life even death upon a cross there, there was no, there was no, because he was frustrated, because he wanted to sh- prove us right or wrong, he came to serve. And so there is that aspect. We, the Americans are obsessed in the church. I'll just speak the church are obsessed with things that no one can really give the rock solid answer on. And that's why we engage with stuff. What's happening in the border? I don't know. I just saw some out of the border. What's happening in Ukraine? Well, I don't know. I, I, this, oh, I, I thought the we got to be careful supporting Ukraine because really there's a neo-Nazi group that's really behind that group that's really doing this group, and and so the okay oh my gosh isn't that interesting but but we've never talked about what we do know, we do know is this Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. What does that mean then? If that's true, which we know it's true, what are we going to do? How does that if 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 we're called to take the gospel to the end of the world, how do we do that then? We know we're supposed to do that. Well, which part of the world? Which border? Which? Just take it. How do we do that? And so we're obsessed with things that we actually can't. This is, I think, I think this is the reason we get obsessed with things that there's real no answers. There's no real answers. So then we can't be held accountable for anything. Mm, that's good. And I just think it's it's time. It's time for us to get down to the bottom line and let's live lives like like the New Testament church. Yeah. Let's get after. That's, that's my thought. One of the things I when I first came over to Texas, I mean, again, let me. I love Texas. And by the way, Texas is the best of all the states. Of course it yeah. is. Yeah. I understand yeah. that absolutely. But most of the voters were bots. When I first came over here, I stayed with a good friend and uh, you know, very prosperous. And, and of course, Americans believe in prosperity. And uh, the devil has used that in such a clever way hmm. to isolate people. So I, I stayed, I collected at, at the airport, beautiful car, drove into an automatic garage that let me in. 
uh, in Texas where you can't walk out in the summer, you'll fry to death. So I actually never <laughs> met anybody. I was first introduced to a drive through bank in Alabama. I thought it was fantastic because, I mean, it was brilliant. You, you put your check into this little thing and then it <laughs> sucked around. I, I wanted to do it again. It was wonderful. <laughs> right? Absolutely wonderful. But I never talked to anybody. Then I, I went down to I went to I went to South Texas and I love tacos. I had my first taco in South Texas. Mm, hallelujah. And so Kathy and I looked for for for, for tacos on the Monday when we were driving away. Mm. And so we came across this little. This is in the middle of nowhere. We came across this little place that sold tacos, and there was nobody there. But but I I, I walked inside, but I was put out again, and I had to go through the drive-through. So I actually got back in my car. I mean, and I drove to a window, where they could hand me. This this taco. I went just drive-through pharmacies. You've got drive-through pharmacies, so actually you could survive in America without talking to anybody ever. And there there is a, a problem with that because the prosperity has caused us to be totally non-incarnational. The beauty of the incarnation is that Jesus mm. became flesh. And uh, as in the message, he pitched his tent among us, you know, so he lived with us. And for me, the hope of the gospel is that I'll meet somebody in a store or in a shop. Or Kathy and I have this little, st- little saying that we go out a lot of coffee shops. It's not about the coffee. We're always bumping into people or I hear an Irish accent or I, we, we somebody who opens up to us. And suddenly the conversation goes this particular way. And we, we say to ourselves on the way out, it wasn't about the coffee. And Kathy often feels a compulsion to go to a particular place. And it's always, it's not, never about the coffee. But if we don't ever meet people, we're never going to be able to influence them for the gospel. So I would like to, like to see that happen, I suppose. this Maybe the, the, the escalades would mm. break down or something. So we all had to get a bicycle and walk a little bit. Because we'd actually meet more people to influence them. Mm. That, that is a concern for me. A guy stood up once in the Sunday school over here and it was something about, I don't know where, what, what happened, something about, it was in the, you know, they know a lot of American churches do a Sunday school before the service and it was something about, I'll never, whatever it is about the, I was think it was during the Obama years, some, something about homosexuality and he said, it'll never. And uh, I stood up actually to give a comment because I knew that that guy, this old man, he's never ever going to meet anybody who doesn't agree with him in his whole life. He doesn't, doesn't, he's just never going to meet anybody. That's true. So the yeah. conversation, like the conversation was irrelevant. I'm yeah. going to, I'll die before I do that. Yeah, well, well, yeah, but you're never ever going to, you're not, you're not going to put yourself anywhere where your opinions are going to be questioned. And if I, if I only surround myself with people who agree with me, then I'm never going to be able to influence anybody. Yeah. Well, you'll never be able to reach anybody with the gospel because exactly. the point of preaching the gospel is to preach people who've never heard it, who exactly. originally would never agree, but then through the power of the Holy Spirit, exactly. they're convicted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the, the greatest things in America right now is there's no dialogue. It, you, you believe one thing or another, and those two people can't come together and just talk without somebody being upset or trying to you know, counsel you and take care of your life, you know, everything that you work for and take it away and all those things. And we just got to be able to sit back down at the table and yeah. love and talk to one another. That's what you often mm-hmm. use. Yeah. 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 I agree. Well, so go ahead. I was going to say, this is, it's such a double-edged sword, though, with this whole, because the reason we have all that separation is from new technologies like the Internet and like all the social media and stuff. And so that stuff is contributing to... The fact that we're not sitting down face to face and having all these conversations, but which is we decide is not so good. But uh, like you brought up earlier, how 
the pandemic happened and yeah, you were right. still able to connect with everybody all over the world. Sure. So there's there's all this good that comes Pros from it too. Cons, so yeah. it really comes down to like yeah. So when do you kick off the metaverse in your church? <laughs> yeah, are y'all going not doing that. <laughs> not doing that. Y'all going virtual? No, no. Virtual no, no. For no, because yeah, here's the reality. Um we're called to uh the virtual was helpful, right? So it's, it's it's helpful for those and that, but that's why pastors have to articulate the gathering matters. The gathering's biblical. The gathering is is spiritual. If you can't make it, then the second best is join us online so that we're in the same heart, and then next week we can gather. But again, it's that it's the it's the the convenience of it. And you can't control people. But so here's the other is the other swing is well then don't make virtual, don't don't make it available because then people will have to come. That's dumb because you're basing something off of yeah. But someone's going to take advantage of it. Well, welcome to life. But some people are going to use it for their own good. And so because I do know pastors that forget it. I'm not doing a virtual anymore, so people have to come to church. Guess what? They don't come back to church. Yeah. So this is you know it's just the pros and cons of it. We don't do. Besides the convocation, like if we have like um, we just did our 3D love conference, we don't do that, and you know on online, you know get here, yeah. we'll, we'll take it. Yeah. But, but on yeah. our regular thing like this, we do, and then our regular. Service I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, so what is the atmosphere? You know, we have we dealing with this, this stuff in America. What is the atmosphere when you go into other countries and try to uh, spread the gospel? What are, What are some of the things that you, you know you're getting kicked back from governments or things you can or can't do as you travel what because of the pandemic or do you mean just, just generally just because you're spreading the gospel uh well i'm working with i mean one, one of the things that god showed me clearly to do is to help my brothers possess their land so if you ask me what my vision is for africa i don't have one what's my vision for pakistan i don't have one god didn't give me one he told me to work with those that do so i don't get the sharp edge of it really i'm invited into places uh, that I offer myself to, of course, but I, I go in as their guest and I will work a program according to what they want me to do. So if it's visiting prisons in Ethiopia, I'll do that. If it's with the orphanages in, in Ghana, I'll do that. In the schools or with Parliament in Ghana, I'll do that. Whatever God opens for me, I will go along there. So uh, I, the restrictions, um, I know the restrictions from the guys and girls I'm working with. It's not something that is put on me as an individual. Uh, really, so I don't have to, I don't have to worry about it. that's that's taken from I'm a step away from that. So I found actually when I travel places wonderful openness. I mean, when I went to Pakistan, it was quite funny. I flew from Lahore to Karachi, Karachi to Lahore, and I was trying to I was there on my own. I was trying to keep under the covers. I didn't want to tell anybody what I was doing. But you come into the airport and and the guy looks at you and he says, "Well, well, oh, yeah, on my passport it's, it's stamped visiting churches." So. You're visiting. Oh, that's fantastic! Thank you for coming and visiting us. And I'm thinking, well, but you're meant to hit me. Why? Why, why are you saying like that? So I'm on a plane on my own. The only white guy on this plane, and I'm beside this fellow called Mohammed, and had a wonderful conversation with him, who told me he has difficulty coming to America because although he loves America, every time he's pulled to one side and questioned because his name's Mohammed. But he he asked me what do I do, and I said, well, actually, I, I work in a church. Oh, you work in a church? And then he's really loud telling the whole plane, uh, and 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 what? Are you, are you, are you, I'm a pastor. Oh, you're a pastor. What? what you're the, it's a Baptist. Oh, you're a Baptist pastor, and so everybody knows what I'm doing. Uh, but but really, I find tremendous openness everywhere I've gone. I, I've never really gone somewhere. I mean, some of those dark atmospheres, but wherever I go, I'm welcomed with open arms. Mm. I can't keep up with all the invitations that I have. Wow, wow. So, how do you guys know each other? Well, Kingsley is true to his ministry. Is that he 
he comes alongside other people and uh, helps them fulfill their vision and their purpose. And so, um, I, I have I have still have a real heart for the UK. Um, and so I began exploring some things, and and I don't know how we got introduced. I think Kelton Black introduced, Kelton yeah, Black, yes. introduced us. And so Kingsley, because he's a super friendly guy, him and Kathy really, they are just servants to just come alongside people and see them flourish and um, spend some time with Kingsley and Kathy. And you came over to the church in Norwich instead with us. That's that. Yes, yes. Went to the went to the church there with them and just. We just, they opened their home to uh, to me, and, and so we built a relationship. With and then Shakespeare I came and I. over uh-huh, that's to right. Destiny. Yeah, yeah. I met the church. So this, that's was right. this why you was on the mission field? Um, it was, yes, it was part of the journey. It was okay. part of the journey, and so his connection with, with IGO as well, um, International Gospel Outreach that he's the president of, and just all of that. To, so we just kind of, we ran in the same circle, but... the circle seemed to have him at the middle of it, so it was kind of fun to, to hang out and, uh, and get to... I think get to know each other. I think it's cool, like, we invite people, and people come and go, and it just seems like they're always <laughs> somehow <laughs> running in the same circles, and we don't even yeah. do that or realize right. that, that that stuff is going on. Right. Yeah. I think it's I think it's amazing how, the way you say you just come aside people, because so many people these days want to have their own. They want to have their own ministry. They want to lead sure. this, and they want to do that. But to have a heart of a man that comes and says, listen, I know God has called you to do this. How can I help? Hmm. Um, because, you know, you invite somebody to your church and then they need somebody to hold their Bible or escort them in or they need the, the fancy hotel or the fancy car. But just to have a heart of a servant, it's, it's really getting harder and harder to find these days. Mm-hmm. Where did that where did that come from? Well, I hope it came from the Lord. I, I think probably from there's family values come into it as well, aren't there? I mean, I'm from a, a small village in the south of Ireland. I never had any great plans or great vision uh, for myself. I was a very shy teenager um, and grew up like that. And so I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I, my, my brothers weren't following the Lord, but why he put his hand on me, I really don't know the answer to that. I, I think... Uh, just work. I just get a real kick of working, uh, working beside other people, and I think part of it comes from a confidence in God. I do. Kathy and I have a very strong confidence in God. We, we know He loves us. We know that He provides for us. So if you don't have that, then then the only alternative is to promote yourself, promote your needs. God spoke the first verse I ever learned was, "Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness." And all these things shall be added on to you. And you can't knock that out of me. That is built into me. And so I know that he's doing it. So I don't need to promote myself. I can, uh, and COVID probably helped that as well. Because going through the pandemic, I, people say, well, do you, would, would, are you going to change? I'm not going to change my car. Why would I change my car? I have no interest at this moment in time in any more stuff. I've been starved of relationships for two years. of seeing people eye to eye and going to Starbucks or wherever, having a coffee with somebody. I, all that other stuff. You can stuff it. Yeah. I'm not interested. <laughs> I have I have a problem of always wanting to come aside somebody. I want I want to make Pastor Mark the best pastor he can yeah. be and, and serve him behind the right. scenes and nobody ever know the things that I'm doing. Sometimes for the people around me say to a fault. Is there is there danger into that? No, never. 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 I, I would I would say never. This. Um if you do what you do is unto the Lord, then your reward will be um, 
that which will can never be taken from you. It will be you will be sowing into heaven. Um, if your desire is to do it as unto the Lord and for your name to not be known or you whatever. But if you do it so that your name is known, so that when people do know it, it is you, then that is your reward. And tell me which one is more valuable, the one that's stored up in heaven or the one that, oh, oh, people know your name? Yes, that's what I wanted. Well, then congratulations. You've received your reward. Yeah. That's good. And so, gotta watch my mama. For for us, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and and that's and that is that's a that's a um, a humanistic, you know, all that kind of stuff. But but why do we lead a church? Well, we why are you a pastor? Well, because I believe God's hand was on my life. Well, let me ask you a question: What did you do to get God to put His hand on your life? And if there's any other answer besides nothing, then you're in the wrong profession, because you did nothing to get God's hand in your life. You did nothing for him to call you and save you. You did nothing. And so he was looking for a willing vessel, and you happened to say, okay, God. And he said, all right. So if you're pastoring a church, you're doing it for the glory and for the purpose of elevating the name of Jesus. So uh, for me personally, I don't want anyone leaving our church saying, wow, what a great worship pastor what a great message i heard from from that guy i want them to go what a great god yeah that he spoke to me today and naturally though and that's the tension naturally there is god picks a man and god uses a man and and but if you don't live within i'm doing this for my reward in heaven not for my reward on earth um it can get destructive but um serve people because God then can entrust you with other things if you're willing to serve without your name being known. Yeah, that's and my and that's my heart. I mean, I know that. I mean, I hope one day the the Lord, you know, hands me a church of my own or whatever it may be. But if it doesn't, I'm still at this desk when I'm 65 years old, and there's two more pastors ahead of me, and I'm still serving them. I'm good with it. Man. Yeah. Well, you success know? in the kingdom is obedience. So God didn't call you to be successful or someone else to find successfulness. He called you to be obedient. Yeah. So therefore do that, and then you'll be successful. One last thing, and then uh, we'll let you guys go. Uh, Pastor Mike Millay just talked about the higher we get, kind of the, our circles kind of get smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a lot of failures in celebrity churches and celebrity pastors, what's going on in you know, Hillsong and, and some and different things like that. Um, it's lonely at the top, you know. And if there's some uh, some young pastors out there that are feeling lonely and don't know how to navigate those situations, I, I know you, uh, you've been a pastor, but you're a lot of times being on the road by yourself yeah. and, and, and holding yourself accountable. And, and, you, and you, you can see that in the celebrity pastors. I mean, it doesn't seem very lonely for them at the top. You know, they're they're bringing these superstars next to them and they're doing a lot of things. How how do we do as especially as young pastors that have been very successful success, successful in quotes in ministry um how how do we navigate that? Well, Tony I, I listened to Tony Campolo once talk about this. He was I don't know because obviously you've got different time. We don't we've got just the one time over in the UK, but you've got different time zones here. And I don't know where he was preaching, and one of his friends rang him in the middle of the night, and uh, he told me he'd woke him up. Why do you ring? I just checking you're on your own. 
and he was off traveling without his wife. He said, I just want to check you're on your own. Mm. And he was miffed by it at the start, you know, very offended by it. But then it was, thank God I've got somebody in my life who, who I'm accountable to. And I think most folk need to have, or well, everybody needs to have somebody, some group of people that they are accountable to. And then there are things you can do yourself, of course. I travel on my own. Nobody will know what I get up to. So one of the things is is I won't travel with a woman on my own. So uh, I don't go to, to services with a woman on my own. I won't fly. At least I try not to fly with, with a lady. I went once to the Ivory Coast and I was in a hotel and there was a woman who came over and uh, but we were on different floors. And I, I didn't know it was booked that way, but you've got to be very, very careful. So from Facebook point of view, when I travel to Pakistan, if you befriend any of the girls in Pakistan, they're beautiful. But they're beautiful the way they put off. In fact, some of them don't even use their own picture on Facebook for their profile. They'll pick a model or something, you know. So uh, so Kathy and I share Facebook. We've got the same Facebook page. So we share. So Messenger is exactly the same. WhatsApp's different because it works with the, the number on your phone. You can't, you can't share that. But everything we share. And so there's really nothing comes into our home that Kathy can't see. And that Because I'm traveling all the time. Now, of course, we're older. She's not going to expect me to run after younger girls, but it's not possible. I won't be in a place where that is. So that's just putting in a, a, a putting in something. Now, some pastors get arrogant where where the thought of questioning their moral, you know, the devil's very clever. So if we don't close those doors, you know, David, David, when we see David sin with Bathsheba, you know, he was given right through the 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 chapter there where where it talks about it, he was he was given opportunity to to get back. She's married. You know, he shouldn't have been looking at her. Bathsheba, she's, she's a married woman. That finished it. She's the wife of, of, of Uriah the Hittite, one of your crack soldiers. That should have finished it, you know. Uh, and, and so all he was given opportunities out, but he didn't take them. So for me, I would be advising young people to be submitted to uh, somebody who you're accountable to. Uh, and make, be very careful on social media. Don't ever travel on, on your own with somebody of the opposite sex. Don't pray with somebody of the opposite sex. I, I, a lady came in to see me once when I was pastor and said she had a problem with lust. What the heck she come to me for? And who's the clown that let her come to me? <laughs> or I go, I travel around these crazy Pentecostal churches, you know, where I come at, come at the end and I say, Pastor, we want you to pray for people, you know? So they bring these w- women to me. Are they stupid or what? So I, I'm not praying with some woman who's got hormonal problems. Get out of here, clear off. What would I be praying with a woman for? Who's got one? Oh, pastor, my husband doesn't understand me the way... He doesn't listen to me. Well, clear off, Ben, away you go. I don't want anything like that because what the devil does then is the devil tells you you're such an understanding man. No, I'm a fool. So I don't pray with women. (laughs) They can stay in their problems rather than me praying with them. Now, if there's somebody with me, I'll pray with them. But no, I don't deal with those. Right, yeah. God, I've got to put very... Uh, uh, well, actually, I don't, you don't have it here, but over in England, we've changed our structure. So the, the churches I've worked in would never have a, a door like this. There'd be a window in all our doors so that, that all of the, the offices are, are vis- visible to everybody. Yeah. Uh, and that's the way we've built them purposely so that no pastor can be in a room alone with, with a woman particularly. Yeah, we bring Shelley in when we have yeah, to. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. we have to do yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so... I always take value in my wife's criticism on preaching or the way I do ministry because she knows me the best, right? And she came to me, and, and, you know, we've been married almost 25 years now. Um, She came to me several years ago and says, I don't know if if I want to be that person for you anymore because I want want our home and the things that I, I do to always be encouraging because I don't want you to ever have to try to go find that anywhere else. And um, at first, 
I was, I didn't know how to take it, you know, because I, she's the one that I trust, you know, out of everybody. Mm -hmm. I can trust the, the rights and the wrongs and everything. Um, but I begin to understand that, especially when we see a lot of these, you know, celebrities, not just celebrity pastors, but pastors that, that fall. Um, can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, <clears throat> I think ministry um, highlights character flaws. Just it just does, and um, I, I think there's the reality that so ministry highlight well ministry attracts um, attention, right? But also the pressures of ministry highlight character flaws. And then what happens is a lot of ministers feel like they're always giving. So they're giving to this, they're giving to that, they're giving to this meeting, you're giving the time to do this, you're giving to other people, you're counseling other people. You, and so there becomes this feeling, and then you go home, and then you give to your family, and then you give to your wife, and then you give. And so what happens is you come to this place where then you're like, you know what, I don't have anything for me. And it's a, it's a deception, right? But it but what that is, it's a it's a character flaw. But the reason why you got there, and so let me go on to say this. And then you fill that box with just something for you. Could be could be alcohol. It could be um, this little this attention you get from someone that wow, well, kind of makes you feel a little better. But that's just for me, and I don't do anything for me. So this is me. Um, as we've known, it could be massages. It could be, and all of a sudden, that's me. That's and, it, and it's selfish, and it's about me. And usually, that that me thing turns into something that's very sinful. But the reason why you came to that place is because many pastors do not have a, a healthy rhythm of life. Um, they get stressed out. You get tired, and then tired pastors make stupid decisions. Um, and your accountability is or isn't, and I totally agree with King. So you have to have people around you who can who can just ask you straight up and press in a hundred percent. But I think all of it really comes back to these character issues of your relationship with Jesus. Um, and you know, okay, let's just say you have good accountability. Um, is 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 that really? The issue in ministers today, they fell because they didn't have accountability, or is it because they fell because they were they they were they had deep character flaws that they never surrendered to Jesus? So you can have guardrails, and that's helpful. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have it, but the reality is, um, it all comes back to this deep relationship with Jesus, which usually is put on the side burner when you're so um, exhausted of ministry. That uh, that you you don't have time for him, and so and that's and that's a real issue. And Kingsley has just been, you know, and Kathy talked to to us about our busyness of ministry, the demand of ministry. Um, you just make stupid decisions, so you have to be okay disappointing people by and getting rest. To me, that's your biggest ally: is rest, spend time with your wife. Work on your marriage, get marriage counseling, grow together, go on dates, because uh, at the end of the day, someone else is going to have the title of whatever you have at church. No one will have the title of father or husband to your spouse. You hope, right? right? You hope. Yeah. You hope. Yeah. yeah you hope. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what does rest look like to you in ministry? Um, 
It's taking taking a Sunday off about every six weeks. Let someone else preach. Um, that's a big demand. It's um, and there are ebbs and flows. It's it's making sure you get enough nights at home, and you got to fight for them. You got to fight for them. Um, eat together as a family. For us, it's it's an important thing for me. Um, season of life is different. We have two teenagers, so they're busy too. But it's being aware of it and just being having your hand on the pulse of your um, your uh, your capacity. How thin are you running right now? Um, are you fighting off like the same thoughts over and over again? How come you can't get on top of them? Well, you're probably weary and you need to take a nap for the glory of Jesus and. That's just the reality. It's it, A lot of it has to do with, it's kind of the whole ball of wax. I don't think it's just one part. So, um, you know, it's just naturally you're, we are targets as ministers, but we're also targeted as men, the target as fathers and target as husbands. It's That's just, that's where we are. So um, to me, it's about that internal character before God, integrity when no one else is looking and that relationship with Jesus and and ministry is the big sifter of those who don't have that sorted. That's good. Do you take any long-term vacations, weeks at a time? Yeah. Several weeks at a time just yeah. to decompress? Yeah, every summer I take a month off. Okay, very good. Yeah. I think that's super, super healthy. Yeah, yeah. What about you? What is a bit of uh, rest? What's rest? Bit? Well, rest on a continual basis is probably the gym. I love going to the gym. I love going out for a run. Uh, and then with Kathy, when I'm home, of course it was different through COVID because I was home all the time, but... With Kathy and in between my trips, we go out for coffee every day. That's what we do. And uh, rest at the beginning of COVID was we bought a motorhome. We'd call it Norvi, just a small one. Mm-hmm. So Kathy and I love going away. We're part of a motorhome and caravan club. <laughs> All right. we'll, we'll go. You're one of those people. Yeah. You're one of those people. You must be over a certain age then. Yeah, you know, no, no, actually, no. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But actually, they all, and they all wait, here in the UK, they all wait to each other. There's actually a little, there's a little uh, group of these little groupies that travel around, you know, and you wave to somebody uh-huh. else in the motorhome but what that's done is it's pulled us away we we uh, we don't use the tv on it uh we we go to we go to chatsworth house which is a marvelous big house and i go i can run there we just eat out together and, and so we would do that very regularly so that would be rest for me that's the rest that includes kathy the other rest every day would be sort of some form of exercise because that's some that's the way i'm hardwired so we work we work on it like that yeah, I think it's super important. Going back to what you're saying, spiritual, physical, and yeah. um, and uh, mental health. Yeah, uh, we have to have all three of those to perform at the highest level as ministers. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and, and even it's not about just integrity or character. It's just about being effective ministers. So, well, the reason why I brought uh, my son Seth is because after all of us know this after i minister and i'm tired so i preached two services on sunday jumped on a plane flew here you know got in my hotel at 2 a.m preached that night preached this morning you are you're the the voices you got to deal with in your head like what pastor mike said today was true like listen i got enough voices going on in this head i don't need another one telling me where my where i screwed up or something so but to have like Seth is my armor bearer while he's here. That's important because I I'm done preaching and then I go hang out and we Cheetos and watch Netflix. Like there's just something that's right about that. Yeah. And so that's for me. You but you got to know what that is that helps you keep you in the right headspace. So then you can minister effectively again. Not just it's not just about moral failure. It's about staying in the right headspace to be able to to fight off the temptations of the enemy. Yeah. 
Yeah, awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Hey, Thank love you all. Thank you for what Thank you do. You. Yes, thanks for stopping by. And now, like like I said, I know you're taking off pretty. You staying for the the rest of the week? I'm here. Yeah, I'm here yeah. the Thursday morning. Well, y'all have some safe travels and everything that y'all do. I hope the the, you know, the ministries and all that are blessed. I know that y'all y'all show great integrity, uh, at least while you're here. But we do appreciate y'all guys and y'all's ministry, and thanks for sharing. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, bro. All right, thanks. Bless. This is the Refuge Project.